I'm not sure what to say right now because I'm scared when people come to listen to me preach. And the human part of me says, oh boy, um, you got to say something to make them feel they came, to, they came for a reason. And, and yet, there's another part that says, well, um, what God wants you to say, you say. And if they think it's not good enough, well, it's not good enough. Um, they might be nice enough after the service to come and shake your hand. And say, like, you know, I enjoyed it. They might not mean, I told Brother Philip, I'll, I'll have to put on a show. <laughs> you know, do some, uh, some, some things that strange so that you would forget what I said and said, you know, that, that was a really good sermon. And what did he say? Well, it's how he said it. <laughs> but it's always a privilege to be here. I, I, I really mean that. I, you know, sometimes you use cliches. Um, but this has become uh, my home, away from home, as far as church is concerned. I was saying this morning, I used to go to several conferences a year in years past. I don't anymore. That's the only one I come to know. And I mean conferences uh, through the islands in the States and uh, uh, the World Congress of Fundamentalists, <laughs> if you know about that. Uh, um, I was part of that. And um, I just feel at home here. Among you, you've... you've You've made me feel uh, so um, comfortable. Uh, that's, among other words, that's the word I, I like, you know, that you're around people and that you feel comfortable around. Um, and I just praise the Lord for that. And the second aspect of it is the comfort it gives in being able to share thoughts from God's word and to discuss things that in other, er- other places and other people you'll be... Not just apprehensive, you'll be scared of, of saying, hey, what do you think of this passage of scripture? And do you think it's saying that? In some groups, the moment you say that, you're a heretic. And boy, it's, it's such a uh, freedom to be able to come and talk to people and to look at scripture and see possibilities. Hear what you say without mm, uh, just marking you off. And I thank the Lord for a conference like this and people like you for that. Um, I've been away from home, but uh, somebody texts me uh, a message, have you missed home yet? Um, And I said, no, not really. I only missed my wife. And this is not because trying to make butter up now. I mean, we've been married 39. Still got a butter up. (laughs) We've been married 39, going 40 years now. And um, if she's around, I don't miss home. And I really mean that. I hope she feels the same way about me. (laughs) But I I really don't miss home. Where's home? I mean, somebody asked me, you don't miss your dog? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) No, I don't miss the dog at all, at all. And then to be here uh, to, uh, with you. Thank you for praying uh, for me. Uh, my recent trip to um, Zimbabwe and Mozambique. And we'll tell you some more about that during the course of the week. I know you've been praying and that you have been asking about the orphanage particularly. And that has been really a thrill to be there. And uh, be able to put, I'll try to put some pictures together and to show you a few uh, things during the um, course of the week. See your prayers and your, your support in that area. Um, but just to be there with these over 150 orphans and to meet them uh, and to feed, you know, be with them in the ministry for that day, to meet the young people that work with them. And to me, that was the greatest blessing, to see the dedication of these young people um, in in that ministry. Um, 
how they give themselves to that is just marvelous. Amidst their studies, the time they give uh, to that uh, ministry. We've been able to get a piece of land. Um, I was saying this morning, it's a big piece of land. Uh, I can't tell you who said about acres, or just tell you. It is from this tree to that tree to that tree. That's how they measure land in some of those areas. And that's it. Um, I would say over two acres of land for $300. And um, so we want to start to put a building up so the orphans could at least have somewhere to sleep. When they leave, they don't, have, they don't know where they, they, where they sleep. Um, one lady of the church have taken up one of the orphans and put her home at her. If you see her home, I went into it. It's a hut. Um, and well, uh, what caught me is her. The little boy's name is Simon, and that's my son's name. Uh, but the the need is so great over there, and so I'll able to share with you some of that and then the ministry in Zimbabwe and the Bible college that we would like to start there. But um, the meeting of the pastors from the different churches um, that we've been able to um, help during the past years um, that came to the conferences in both in Zimbabwe and Mozambique. I had to do all the preaching in Zimbabwe. Nobody else. The fellow that went with me, he just came along because he, he's a believer, but he wanted to be in Africa, but to see the ministries there. And so I had to do all the preaching, uh, the conference uh, every day, twice, on Sunday, twice or twice. And um, then in Mozambique, well, I had fr- Friday interpreted for me. So he did more preaching than I did, um, I suppose, because when we got to Mozambique, I said, boy, you got to preach. And I, since he, he didn't have the... He could speak in the in the uh, Shona, but he spoke in English. Oh yeah, and Domingo's um, interpreted in Portuguese uh, there. So, but it was a real blessing, and thank you uh, for your your prayers and for this opportunity to be just with you um, to preach to um, just have the privilege to share with you. Some things from God's word. Um, keep this in mind. It's just not knowledge. I've learned this from my past life and learning it even now in this present. And when I say my past life, <laughs> I didn't mean reincarnation, all right? <laughs> uh, but it's like a reincarnation, I suppose, in some ways. Um, my past life theologically, as it were. Uh, interpreting scriptures and uh, your, your, your present outlook of, of things and so on it is something I learned that knowledge you've got to be careful with theology I say that to say this that we could get so caught up with what we have learned and we become pharisaic in our doctrinal, fundamental position, this, and we forget to apply that truth to our lives. And that truth becomes nothing but head knowledge. And so we, we suffer then with doctrinal pride that we have the truth, but the truth is not lived out in our lives. And that's my greatest burden in in preaching now ever than before. Um, for you to hear the truth and to play it. Um, I can't remember how many years ago. I never really had a, a life verse. Like as a preacher or as a, or as a Christian. There are certain verses I like. Matthew, I sang Matthew in chapter 9 verses 37, 38. And that's because of an experience with the Lord. I mean, and that stuck with me. The harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth laborers. And Matthew chapter, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Be steadfast, therefore, my beloved brethren, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
But some years ago, after I came to know these, uh, understand uh, the truth of Christian living as seen under uh, the kingdom aspect. Colossians chapter 1 became something to me, verse 29, 28, 29. For me as a pastor, and Paul said that how he warned and he taught, he admonished, that he may present every man perfect and blameless before the coming of the Lord. And that's become my a desire, the part of the reason why I preach, not just for a message, not just to fill an, an hour in the pulpit, <laughs> uh, but have a purpose, and that purpose is that every person in our, in our church, that I have the purpose of preaching, that they would come to the place that when we stand before the Lord, every single one of us would be found blameless. Not one would be lost. I have a little fear that one might be lost. Guess why? That the Lord Jesus had 12. And if he had 12 and one was lost, what about me? But you know, God don't go by the law of averages or by history in that sense. I still um, hope that none would be lost. And I trust that what we say during the course of this week would be the means of helping you, not just to understand kingdom truths. I take it that you more than likely have asked your pastors, I mean, do your people understand the kingdom? Yes. Generally speaking, everybody does. Not everyone in the same level. I could apply this, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, maybe some 100-fold, in understanding that truth. Um, but to help you to apply that truth in your life and to see how God works in your life. Some years ago, a lot of years ago, the early 80s, I think it was, um, 1980 somewhere, I picked up a little booklet called In God's School by a man by the name of Rendell, I think his name is, in God's school. And I started to read that book, and I used that book to form uh, some messages. If you ever see it, well, you hear some of the thoughts, you see some of the thoughts I'm sharing, and say, ah, that's where Brother Carl got it from? Yes, that's where he got it from. But to develop this thought, in God's school. And... To help you to understand as a believer, as one who's pressing toward the mark, hopefully the praise of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To help you to see how you need to learn in order to progress. To be able to understand in some measure God's workings in your life. There's a hymn we sing, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And the song goes on to explain God's mystery of dealing with us in his providence. There's a part of one of the verses that says, The bud might have a bitter taste, but sweet is the flower thereof. And God moves in mysterious ways in the lives of his children. And I want to share some of these with you based upon the life of the children of Israel. There's a verse in Acts chapter 14, 22. If I might just lift it out and, and quote it. It says that with much tribulation. I'll repeat it again. That with much. M-U-C-H. Now we don't particularly like to hear that. It scares us sometimes. It scares me. Now with much tribulation he shall enter the kingdom of God. So keep that in mind as we go through. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you know that very well. About the children of Israel and says, And these are given for our examples that we might learn. In Job chapter 
36. Turn there. We say, look, just one little, one little statement here in Job. That to go along with our uh, theme in God's school. Behold, God exalted by his power. And this little phrase, who teacheth like him? Who teacheth like him? There's no greater teacher in the world, in the humanities, in social life, whatever you want to call it. Yes, certainly in explaining, as the Lord Jesus did, the master teacher. But there's no greater teacher than God when it comes to lifestyle living, to understand the vagaries of life. Or to put it into the words of the hymn, throughout the changing scenes of life that all of us experience. And to see that there is a purpose. That's not something just thrown together in your life. When you give your life to the Lord and say, Hi, here am, here am I, Lord. That the things that happen to you are not just ad hoc. But that you're in God's school. And God have you in a class. And there's a purpose for it. There's, there are goals. The goal, if we said it right now, if I just use this to cover all, the conformant to be conformed to the image of his son. And that takes care of a lot of other things that we won't have time to explain right now. That's what Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 tells us. To be like him. To be holy as he is holy. In God's school, they're demanding standards. Standards of holiness and righteousness, obedience, cooperation and reverence, submission and yieldedness and much more. In God's schools, the God's school, there are different grades. There are different classes. In America, you call them grades, we call them classes or forms. Standards. And in God's school, just like you go in school, you have to start at one level. According to your study, you move up to another level. Or else you have to repeat the class. In God's school, many times, we have to repeat classes because we did not learn what God was trying to teach us. Let's throw some together. There's a verse in the book of 1 Thessalonians that says, Study to be quiet. First time I heard a man preach on that. Uh, study to be quiet. <laughs> uh, I'm still in that class, by the way. <laughs> I haven't graduated. I haven't, boy. Just be quiet before the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Just study. It's an interest. It's a study to be quiet. That's a hard thing for some of us. We have to learn. The class, stir up the gift that is in your class. The patient class, learn to be patient. Hmm. Boy. The wait on the Lord class. The trust in the Lord class more. The do not fear class. The temper control class. Today, they refer to it as anger management. The learning to give class. And we can add many more to that. The different classes that all of us might find ourselves in at different times in our lives. The learning to be meek class. The beatitude class, living that beatitude. The Sermon on the Mount class, learn that. Now, God does not like us to repeat grades. Who likes to repeat grades? I mean, our children, if they repeat grades, and so they fail, oh boy. Um, you know they're not going to forget that. Sometimes as a parent, you feel embarrassed. If you're, well, at home, you go to public school. You have to go to the principal or somebody to try to... Um, find a reason why. And sometimes they want to put them out of school. And you have to beg and say, please don't. It's a humbling thing to repeat grades. 
um, back home in, in our secondary or high schools, you have uniforms then in some of the schools, not all of them, um, like say up to one, up to what we call uh, form three, some schools you wear short pants. And um, so when you go to form four, you, you are allowed to wear long pants. Now that's for the, 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 the boys. The girls wear uniforms, dresses, and so on. And then, so if you fail, you didn't, uh, you, you fail grade three, form three, and you've got a left behind, and you're, you're, your friends now there are in what they call long pants. And you're the big boy, uh, especially if you've got size. Not really like me, they wouldn't know if you belong to class one or, or whatever. But if you're big, and children see you going that form with short pants, they know that you're flunked. And you feel embarrassed to go to school. Because all your other friends are wearing long pants or gray flannels, as sometimes you call it. And you're in your short khaki, khaki, whatever you call it, pants. But God doesn't like us to fail our classes as he's teaching us. But he's the infinite, patient God with us. And no matter how often the course is repeated, he is the patient, faithful teacher. There are some of us are not good teachers. We get angry very quickly with a student. We're ready to put them out of the class. I've seen this even in churches or somebody come to vacation Bible school and they give in trouble and said, listen, you can't come tomorrow. Our reason is that you're stopping the others from learning. And so we reason, well, it's better to lose one and keep the 900. Jesus said, left the 900, I'm sorry, the 99, and goes looking for the one. And we'll put out the one because they're bad behave. God doesn't do that with us, praise God. And he's patient and inf- and infinitely so. And Sunday school, just be careful with a bad behaved one. They need more attention. Say, God, give me grace. God, give me patience. God, give me wisdom. And do something, but don't stop them from coming to Sunday school. You might have put them out of the door. And that would be the end of them. There's anything else that they might know about God. God doesn't do that with us. He's patient. And so like Job, we must say, who teacheth like him? Who teacheth like him? There's none like him. In God's school, there are different lessons to be learned. As we progress from grade to grade, the lessons assigned to us become sometimes harder. And that's true. When you go from one class to the next, one grade to the next, one stage to the next, where it becomes harder. You have to study harder. Oftentimes though, how hard you study in the past class will determine whether it's easier for you in the next class. If you've done your homework, if you've done your assignments. But sometimes in God's class, there are difficult lessons assigned. Sometimes demands are placed upon us that we look at our frail bodies, we look at our capabilities, our inabilities, and God put these demands on us in this class, and we wonder, how can I do this? How can I make it? And God is a master teacher in our lives. And He knows our being, He has made it. He knows how much we are able to bear. He understands all our ways. They might seem that way to us. With the human eyes, with the carnal mind, with the sensual part of us. But if we would just yield to him, verses that we quote sometimes that are seem so sentimental becomes real to us. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengtheneth me becomes a reality in our lives. In God's school, there are daily assignments. It's not that I miss out today and I'll catch up tomorrow. 
their daily assignments in God's school. They're different for all of us. They're different ways. I'm not one to give and says, you know, on the morning you must get up and do your devotions. And, you know, before you do everything else, you know, you lay down rules and you must do this. I confess I'm not of that. Now, if you can do that and you can do it without it becoming religious, becoming a habit. And that if you don't do it, you miss it. Why? Because it's a habit. You didn't miss it because you didn't miss your walk with God or your talk with God. You missed it because you heard that if you didn't do your devotions in the morning, you're backslidden. And that our lives, oftentimes, if you're not careful, we just do things as a habit without experiencing the life of it. And so God's school, their daily assignments for us. We should not let them go by without seeking to learn what God is saying. Sometimes some people think this is frivolous and sometimes I wonder if I am frivolous. But, and I, I try not to make it a habit. I started out and says, you know, it became a habit, but I tried to make it a conscious um, what expression when I speak to God about this. If I'm walking... Uh, you know, one, the ones that get me is that uh, the, your, your cupboard door is open. And you go down and you, you pick up something you forgot, you open your cupboard door. And you stand up, mm, and when it hits you there, oh. And I says, Lord, why did you allow that to happen? Lord. So then I ask question, God, what are you trying to remind me of? Lord, what's there in my life? That you allow this to happen. I know some people say God is not. Don't, God's not taken it with trivial things like that. He's my father. And I don't trivialize small things with God. Now I'm not telling you to be like that. But it makes me aware of God's presence in my life. And then I can talk to him about things like that as my father. And ask him, Lord, why? What's in me? What did I do? Is it a reminder of something in my life? Because God is intricately, intimately, affectionately, personally involved in all our lives. In his school, there are divine resources, praise God. No student is expected to tackle the lessons in their own strength or wisdom or ability. No student is expected that. He gives us the task and he says, here's the power to do it. Here are the resources to do it. So that puts us ahead of all other, stu- type, all other schools. Because their teachers... That they figure, once I put those things on the board, you should know it. It's your business to find it out. Well, God says, I'll give you what you need in order to learn your lessons and to pass the grade, to move on. He gives us a strength. He enlightens us, equips us for all things in this life. In God's school, they are distinctive rewards for all. And God judges us. He, uh, you, you, I think that's where you have a term, don't you? You, you grade on the curve. <laughs> you think God grades us on the curve? No. Sometimes, Brother Allen, I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> thought that was (laughs) yeah I just wonder sometimes you know in this in the present world we live in this age Paul and the others didn't have the things that we have to deal with I don't think somebody says to live in that age and and to be carnal minded and to lust you had to be real 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 lust minded Uh, people I mean 
women wore gongs down to their ankles and they covered up everywhere. And Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust, you've committed adultery. Man, you had to imagine. Nowadays, you don't have to imagine anything. Not even in church. <laughs> TV, they didn't have that. Wi-Fi, I mean computers. And I said, Lord, I hope you judge us according to the age we live in. I hope so, Lord. And somehow, I feel he will. Something tells me my soul. Because who God is. And he understands who we are, what we desire, and the age that we live in. Or the places that we live. If I'm wrong, well, tell me so when we get up there, all right? I want to read this poem for you. It's called The Zigzag Path. We claim up the height by the zigzag path and wondered why until we understand it was made zigzag to break the force of the hill. Those of you who live in the mountains, you know, mountains around here, you don't make a hill straight up there. It goes around the zigzag. I learned that when I went to St. Vincent. Brother Willis and Brother Philip would know that now. I mean, and I, I passed through the church. It had to be a zigzag path up, up in, in a place called Fancy. My wife, I mean, it had to be zigzag. And when I, when I, I saw this poem, that's always that's come through my mind. A zigzag path makes it a longer path, but it's a safer path. And so God sometimes puts us on the zigzag path to break. The force of the hill. A road straight up would prove too steep for the traveler's feet to tread. The thought was kind and it's way in, in its ways designed of a zigzag path instead. It is often so in our daily life. We fail to understand that the twisting where our feet must tread by love alone was planned. Then murmur not. At the winding way, it is our Father's will to lead us home by the zigzag path to break the force of the hill. This was written in a little booklet called Springs on the Valley. The zigzag path. You look at your life since you got saved, and particularly when you came to the place in your life and you said, Lord, here am I. You meant it when you sang the hymn, I surrender all, I surrender all. You know you meant that. When you decided, God, I want to press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to win that prize. I want you to say to me, I want you to, uh, to... Those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words, God. And so, Lord, I, I give my life to you. And then when you say that, what happens? Hmm. We think, then a bed of roses. No, then the thorns come. And you wonder, in your life, how does this work out? I thought God is able to keep me from the burning, fiery furnace. Listen to the three Hebrew boys. I mean, it's, it's wonderful, you know, they went in that fire. But you know what they said? That even if God is not going to deliver us, we're still not going to bow down. Amen. And there are times when the three Hebrew boys in our lives, we get delivered from the fiery furnace. But there are times when our Heavenly Father does not deliver us from the fiery furnace. But he does tell us this in the book of Isaiah 43. When thou passest through, and notice the word when, not if. When thou passest through the waters, that's bad. 
They have different waters. You know, waters are just, can be dangerous, even though they're still, they're calm, but they could be deep. And then he adds on, and through the floods. Now that's gushing waters. You're in deep water already, and sometimes when thou passest through the waters, and now through the floods, to carry you away. Sometimes some people say, you know, I'm just keeping my nose above the water. You ask them how they're doing financially or otherwise. I'm keeping my nose above the water. And if you've gone into the water where it's deep, and you know, you can't swim, and you're tiptoeing and you're going out, and you're putting yourself, and you're trying to keep your head above the water. Oh, the water won't go in your nose, nostrils. And then he adds, water? Then he says, a window passes through the fire. Water and fire are two most destructive forces in this world along with wind. And that's the analogy God used, the metaphors. When thou passes through. It's not easy to pe- preach to people and tell them that. You know, when thou passes through. But friends, we've got to face reality. And if there's a price to win, I, well, I play a little golf. And Brother Tracy, I might look like that, but I'm a macho man. <laughs> I mean, I'm a real he-man. And I have this, you know, a ball is laying there, and you have to bend it wrong, you have to do something. And I have this theory, no guts, no glory. And I don't take up my little, if you know anything about golf, my little seven iron, or a little a wedge, and hit it in the fairways. And then, to lose a shot, no. I go with no guts, no glory. And I take up, uh, the club to hit it as hard as I can um, so to make the ball do what I wanted to do I don't often do that and most times it's only guts <laughs> and very little glory and oftentimes when you get the glory nobody is there to see you do that but friends that's true no guts no glory The Lord Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, said this morning, Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. He who endured the cross and despised the same, but now is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. Well, that's my introduction. So I'm not going to preach my sermon, though. That's only half a page. <laughs> not really. I'll just give you the thought, and we'll pick this up. Really, this is a series of sermons that will take a few months because of the different areas of life that we want to give to you, or we would have liked to share with you. But I'll just give you them up here, and God's lessons that we'll see in, you can see in the Bible. God's lesson of detour. And the children of Israel as they left Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, it says, When God led Israel out of Egypt, he did not lead them directly to the land. He says there, says, but God led them another way. See? He led them another way. The lesson of detour. God's school of detour. And that's one of the first things he did in their young life as they crossed the Red Sea. The land that they were going to be sent to was 11 days away. God said, I'm not going to send them that way. They're not ready to enter in that land. And God led them a different way. God's lesson of detour. Then there's God's lesson of distress. In Exodus 14, I see them standing, um, sorry, by the, uh, leaving Pharaoh. And as they go by the water to stand there, and God put them there. God's lesson of distress. And the mountains were there, the Alpeor, the Red Sea was there, and Pharaoh's chariots coming. 
and they're in distress and what God told them and how God wanted to help them to come to that. Exodus 14. Then there's God's lesson of defeat with AI and to see the purpose of that and to help us in our lives be careful not to let the past victory take your eyes off the Lord Jesus because that's what happened. They went in their own strength. We just defeated those big Jerichoites and I mean, no problem. They did it. God did it. And they went without praying, without asking God anything. And a little AI, as small as the name is, they were, and they defeated them. God's lesson in defeat. Then there's God's lesson in disturbance. We would take, we would take from, um, from Deuteronomy, as the eagles stir for Perness, so the Lord did to you. As the eagle, God's lesson of disturbance in our lives. Then there's God's lesson of delay. The Lord Jesus with Lazarus. And how God puts us through that school of putting us on weight, on hold. And we don't understand, even though we know he has the great power to deliver. Yet God doesn't do it. There's God's lesson of denial. The Apostle Paul. Had a thorn in the flesh. And he went to God three times. And God says no. God denied him. Moving that thorn. In God's school. There are lessons of denial. God says no. There's lessons of God. Disappointment. In God's school. The lesson of disappointment. And how God. With David. David wanted to build that temple. God says, no, David, not you. There's a reason why. And let's see how David, you'd see how David handled that disappointment and moved on with his life. There's a lesson of destruction with Jehoshaphat, a goodly king, went in alliance with the wrong man and he built some ships. And God destroyed those ships. And sometimes God has to do that and teach, to, teach, to teach us, to get us back on path. Because we told him, God, I want to win the race. But we did something that would take us out from winning the race. And God had to destroy to bring us back on path and teach us some lessons. Uh, help us understand, don't go that way again. It's God's lesson of discipline right through to teach us to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus and to walk with him and to trust with him in all our hearts and life. There are many other lessons that we could find in God's school. And if I had to go through the congregation tonight and ask you tonight, what lesson, what class are you in tonight? the various things that you might say in your life now we could throw out tonight and say you're going through that and you're wondering why God is allowing that in your life why am I experiencing this hurt that I don't understand it God that something has happened that God could have stopped God, God could stop whatever he wants to stop. And yet God allows it. Sometimes God actually sends it. Yeah. And you're wondering what's happening to your life. The struggles. The hurts. The disappointments. The grief. The sorrow. The pain. That you never envisaged would have happened to you. Whether you're young or old, the struggles of life are there. And when you say, God, I want to be like you, and I wish, I want you to say that, that's the place we need to come to in our lives. 
as a preacher for me to tell you that when you say that, you've entered into God's school. And there's some things that God is going to teach you that might hurt you. That's, you know, to tell you that is like to tell you, don't give your life to the Lord. Don't surrender to the Lord. But I must. The scripture is clear about that. But the hope behind it all is this. That our Father, who teacheth like Him. You see, on the other hand, you will still have troubles. The unsafe person or the, the Christian who does not say to God, Lord, I surrender all, and they just live their life, they still have problems. Sometimes we see them like Esau saw the wicked flourishing like a big green, like a big tree, green, and nothing happening to them. Ah, oh, friend, that's only the exterior. You don't know the interior, the hurt, the pain, what they're going through, and they're struggling with life. But they don't have anyone to help them, except that God. The rain falls on the unjust. As well sometimes. And God in his mercy. Or in his goodness. Is trying to lead them to repentance. So it does not mean. That if you don't yield yourself to God. You're free. You know nothing is going to happen to you. Yes things are still going to happen to you. You won't have anybody really to help you. Except you go to God. And then in the end. You will not hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You would have not re, um, arrived at your desired destination. You would have disqualified yourself. You've you would have lost out on reigning with him. So really, you and I, who wants to serve God and yield ourselves to him, have made a better choice, the right choice, the safer choice. Because what God puts us through, he makes a way of escape for us. And there's joy in victory. There's always joy in victory. The thrill of it all. And so... With God in God's school, you can get up on a morning and there's God. What's it for me today? What, what's going to happen today? And you can look forward to something God is going to do. Maybe that day. To make you experience his wonderful presence and power. As we'll show you. Tomorrow, Lord willing. Well, whenever it is. In God's school of detour, where he takes you, he'll manifest his grace to you. And his power. As he takes you on a different course of life than you, you planned or you thought was a shortcut. My challenge in closing is don't drop out of God's class. Don't be a dropout. You started out for the kingdom, as it were. Remember, it says, man is not fit if he starts out and he turns back. Keep on going on. Keep on running the race. And even though sometimes the course seems hard, even though the difficulties come, I want to encourage you young people, the problems you might have, trying to find out what it is in my life that I want to do. You know, the different things that come through your mind and teenage life. Or the older ones, the middle-aged ones, you're in this crisis paying your bills, your mortgage and whatever else. And the older ones wondering, God, when are you going to take us? What's going to happen to us? Our families, and we worry. We worry about 
if I die, I wonder what's going to happen to my, to my family. I don't have enough, enough, enough insurance or whatever it is. Don't let that stop you from taking the wrong direction. Keep on the path that God has put you through, even though it looks and it is oftentimes a longer path. But it is the righteous path. Because the Bible tells us this. As a shepherd, God leads us in the path of righteousness. And so one way you know if it's God's will or not his will is if it is righteous. If it is not righteous, that's not God's will. You're on the wrong path. God will always lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Keep on that path. And don't you give up. Keep pressing on and seeking for the kingdom of God. We like to think it's soon around the corner. I know how, how big that corner is, but it's around the corner. It's around the corner. Somewhere around the corner. Our redemption draweth nigh. Blessed be his name. Father, take these few thoughts, this introduction, and speak to our hearts and our people your people to help them to trust in thee with all their heart and lean not unto their own understanding but in all their ways acknowledge thee you shall direct our path you order the steps of the righteous and Lord God that thou would enable all of us to desire to win that race to win that prize to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That we be good students in the class that you've put us in. And through the name of our Lord Jesus, that we could come out victorious. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you and God bless you all.